Disclaimer. This podcast features explicit language and discussions sexual in nature. It may contain subjects uncomfortable to some. Please understand the opinions shared on this podcast are not a representation of any organization or employer the hosts may be a part of. Welcome to the Unnatural Sun Podcast. Welcome back. We are here talking about what we're we talking about today, Jake. We are talking about William Marston. <gasps> Ooh. Yes. Who's that? We're gonna get into that. We're gonna cover <laughs> that. That's that's what we are here to talk about today. Oh, okay. So that, that kind of makes sense. Jenny's yeah. being coy. We did we did watch the the movie. Yes. So this is very interesting. I am sure, like many of our followers out there, if you know the name William Marston, it is from the movie um, William Marston and the Wonder Women. And the whole premise is that the creator of Wonder Woman, he was in a poly relationship, BDSM kind of themed. This was something that was like really shocking to me because obviously, you know, I, I know of Wonder Woman. And when I, yeah. when I saw the movie, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I, I had no idea about all the struggles of getting Wonder Woman out there, uh, you know, him being in a poly relationship, him be, like having this kinky side. I was like, this guy's my hero, right? In, in like a nutshell. And I was like, let's, I want to dive deep. I want to like research this. Um, and then reality kicked in. <laughs> and uh much like everything i found out that hollywood kind of took some liberties um Mm -hmm. i was kind of expecting kind of a story more kinky and more you know poly kind of based however looking into it it actually became and this was this is not a bad thing at all like it actually really surprised me it's more focused around women's rights. So all the research oh, yeah. I did, it's heavy. The The history of Wonder Woman is so embedded into like women's rights. And so at first I was like, there's not much kink to this story. However, I did love the story. and I still wanted to kind of share the research that I've done. So just to give you an idea, our sources. So obviously there's the movie uh, William Marston and the Wonder Women. Um, the main book is entitled the secret history of wonder woman by Jill Lepore. I don't know if I pronounced that wrong. I am so sorry. I'm a numbers guy, not a butchered the name maybe. Yeah. (laughs) If you write a book and I read it, I might butcher your name. I'm sorry. (laughs) So sorry to all the authors out there. (laughs) Sorry. So, and we do have the book, Emotions of Normal People, wrote by William Marston. I I really tried to read this book. However, you know, this is, I believe it was wrote in like the 30s or the 40s, and it's a psychology book. So there was a lot of skimming involved with that. And then we also looked into Wonder Woman, The Golden Age, Volume 1. And those are the, uh, the comics specifically wrote by William Marston. So that's mm. kind of uh, the research that we did. Want to share that. Um, something I do want to point out is there's so much content for the book, The Secret History of Wonder Woman. Um, it's impossible to share on this podcast. 
there's a lot of stuff that we left out. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember you bringing up the subject of William Marston. You're like, there's a, there's a lot. Right. So it's overwhelming. Even even with me leaving out content, I still had, for instance, 30 pages. I am not exaggerating. 30 pages of typed notes. And then from that, I even narrowed some of that down. 30? 30 pages of typed notes. Jeez. And that <laughs> That's does so much. That does not You are committed. Everything. You are absolutely committed. I mean, it's a juicy subject for someone that's... Uh, Especially for you, because you're you're you know kind of taking a deep dive into the BDSM community with mm. the podcast, and just because of your own curiosities and what you've been through in life. So yeah, this is probably a good stepping stone to like understanding, especially back then, of how you know having that kind of lifestyle can be like, and also having that influence of like, holy shit, he wrote the comic books that like I. Like, I don't know if you enjoyed Wonder Woman, but I certainly did. So I didn't, and I, I didn't even know. Like, I seen some of the old comics. I, I, I didn't even know. I thought that was just part of Wonder Woman. Didn't know it was like, there's a background to it. I will say, like, growing up, I was never a super fan of Wonder Woman, right? I was a, my two main superheroes were Batman and The Flash, the Flash, I, I started running when I was in second grade, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, okay, he runs fast, he's he's kind of nerdy. Wow, you're cool. on the track team, you're like, I'm Flash. Batman's cool. And then Batman, yeah, oh yeah, my gosh. Yeah. Batman, obviously, you know, essentially anyone can be Batman. You, you ask if you have enough money. But anyone? I don't anyone. think anybody can be Batman. If Okay, <laughs> if what's-his-name can be Batman... Um, ah, uh, Twilight. What is his name? Robert Pattinson. If he can be Batman, I'm vengeance. And Ben Affleck can be Batman. I'm not Batman. Can they though? Anyone can be Batman. So yeah, I. For me, I think the the draw for Batman, right, is that he lives a double lifestyle. So yeah. does he really? Yeah, I guess he does. Yeah. So by he's the, mostly just Batman, right? But <laughs> by by day, he's a kind of famous, well-known, successful businessman. And then at night, he, you know, dresses up in latex and fights crime. and gets Dresses up in latex not armor. latex, but like... And sometimes I he mean, has nipples. Well sometimes he has nipples. Sometimes he has which nipples. Which was very... Oh, Bat nipples. Very Bat awkward. Nipples. Very awkward time. And then he gets um, he gets tied up by beautiful women in latex and outfits. It's, it's great. I... Yeah, I don't know what sort of like parallels between me and, you know, Batman. I don't know why I am the way that I am today. Maybe my childhood. I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe the cartoons you watched and consumed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That I'm pretty sure that had nothing to do with it. But so Wonder Woman. So Wonder Woman. All right. So who is William Marston? So let's kind of like jump in. Uh, William Moulton Marston was born on May 9th, 1893. He has a law and psychology degree from Harvard. Oh. He invented what would become the lie detector. He was a script writer for Universal. He founded the Disc Theory in Psychology. He's a military veteran. He fought for women's rights. He had a poly relationship. He was into BDSM and obviously... We are we know him today mainly for the creation of Wonder Woman. 
That's a long list of things, and I bet you the list is even longer. Yes. The fact that you said he's had a poly relationship, that's that's pretty what when what time? Around what time was he? Because Wonder Woman was made in like when was that made? You said like the thirties? I believe the thirties, forties. And he was in a poly relationship even back then. That's that's pretty crazy. So for instance, he meets what would become his I guess, girlfriend in the relationship around 1925. Uh, By that time, Wonder Woman wasn't established. No one was really kind of thinking about Wonder Woman. So he had a, he starts a poly relationship in the late 20s. And then I believe Wonder Woman came out in the 30s. Can you imagine us being in our poly relationship in the the 20s? (laughs) Kind of... Just think about like what is ex- especially with existing how yeah. we exist now. Yeah, especially with our boyfriend and stuff. Oof, man. Yeah, that would be. That's rough. a different time. That's that's intense. And that's that's kind of what I liked about this story is there's aspects of his life that he tried to hide, and then there's other aspects that he did not try to hide really mm-hmm. at all. And what I liked about it was that you know we we talked today about oh, like, I don't want people to find out about, like, my kinky side in a professional setting or, oh, no, if people found out I was in a poly relationship, yeah. oh. And then he was, in like the, he was in the 20s and the 30s just, like, kind of rocking it. like Rocking both, like, whatever. <laughs> like, just uh, not really care. <laughs> That's brave. Yeah. I can't imagine the environment back then for people that were living differently from, the, like, the norm you know because like now it's still pretty intense in society especially with social media and stuff but back then it's like people were just in your face about it and i would say more violent Mm -hmm. like i feel like there's still a lot of violence but i feel like it wasn't seen as much back then because we had no social media right and so a lot of violence went unseen so it's like how we account for that you know and we are we are talking about a time period where careers and getting a job was really based on like who you know and word of mouth. Yeah. So if you ruined your reputation, I believe back then it became much harder for you to get a job, which we we do see. So much later in the story, we'll we'll kind of see how. Um, Homo- homophobia kind of takes over and the amount of people that lost like governmental jobs based on allegations of them being homosexuals mm. which is very interesting oh from like from like people that are just expressing like different kinks and stuff oh uh, just for who they loved oh okay. so wow yeah what's that like i guess we're probably kind of yeah. <laughs> We're in we're in a gay marriage, so what? What? We're in a gay relationship now in what year is it? What year is it? Twenty twenty three. No, we are in a yeah. Gay marriage. Which thankfully, you know, one of our presidents was smart enough to pass that law because we're humans and we just wanna we just want to suffer just like the rest of you. 
I mean, I'm not going to speculate on how smart our presidents are. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it's it's a smart move to give everyone rights to that. Like, what's like, why are you preventing gay people from getting married in the first place? But that's not the conversation we're talking about today. It's more about, you know, William Marston. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of details. There's a lot of layers to this guy. So he's in the military and created. I could see I could see the references there as far as military reference goes in the comic book itself. There's a lot of military figures in the comic book, the old, mm-hmm. the old original comic book. Yeah. Oh yeah. So when that you, are getting tied up. Oh, in the movie too. When, <laughs> when you look at superheroes, right? Uh, the 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 very early age of superheroes. You have Captain America. He literally going to Germany and fighting Hitler. Comic books was almost kind of like a pro-war propaganda machine. I don't really want to say that. I kind of, um, but it was kind of a, a fun way, I guess, to kind of get the young audience kind of ease, I guess, their minds into war situations, right? What's what's really interesting, and we'll see this, we'll get into this, is comic books came out in the 1930s. It was a new expressive art form. So think of a time where you couldn't be openly gay. You couldn't be into kink or anything like that. It's really interesting because just like a superhero, you can step into this other role and you can show in a very expressive way you know, a side of you that you have to stay hidden, right? You have to hide every mm-hmm. day. And then you can you can write about it. You can express it into comic books. And we see that. And we also kind of talk about the fall of that, how all of that went away and the kind of like the war that went on against comic books. Um, yeah. And then obviously today it's, we kind of got that back. So but anyways, <laughs> going back to the uh back to the subject oh yeah we we, we get on these like little tangents yeah who are we talking about again william marston <laughs> right yes yeah how is he doing um well he is unfortunately dead currently darn so if he was alive that would be amazing right like someone would be studying him because he'd be old, really old <laughs> <laughs> right he'd be very old <laughs> But I do want to I do want to paint a picture around the time that he was born and kind of growing up because this was a different America. Oh yeah, and this was oh, something sure. that I struggled to kind of wrap my head around because we think about America like freedom and you know you can be who you want to be kind of um, the the America that William Marston was born into is not America today. So, for instance, uh, just for some kind of paint, paint a picture here, World War I started in 1914. Uh, child labor laws did not go into effect until 1938. So you had children working in factories. Jeez. William, time. Uh, women did not have the right to vote until 1920. Cars were not mass produced until 1908. Years like Years are a really big one for me. States that were not states yet, Utah, Oklahoma, New Mexico, Arizona, Alaska, Hawaii. That's like kind of, wow. kind wow. of crazy to think about. Um, 
That's yeah, this is a different time. The country was a lot smaller. Yeah. And also in 1872, federal law granted the right for education uh, free from sex discrimination, but many colleges refused to admit female students and women did not start attending colleges um, in mass numbers until the 1920s. I'm surprised that he actually wrote Wonder Woman because it seems like that was like empowering women when it seems like everyone else in the country probably a lot of men were trying to shut women down. A lot of men were. However, we do see a massive uh, push and fight to get women like equal rights. So we, we are going to kind of introduce a couple of characters who very much want to shut women down. However, you see a large group of people fighting for women's rights, just like today right we have we have a lot of and that's what's like really interesting to me is like the parallels cuz the the cause for the fight might change but we are still fighting today for similar topics like for instance trans rights we are still this is an active discussion right there's a large group of people that believe that trans people should not have certain rights however there's a large group of us that are pushing and trying to make sure that that trans people have the same rights as everyone else. So it's kind of very similar to today, like how yeah. we're fighting. So I'm wondering if a comic book's going to come out. It does seem like like when there's like big movements for people's rights and like fighting for rights that there's usually some kind of hero figure that is like and it's specifically like some kind of comic book hero. So for instance, um I believe for the past couple of years now DC uh, Marvel might do it as well. I don't, I'm not as familiar, but DC has every year during a pride month, they do DC pride where they talk about their, their gay superheroes, or they do like an alternate universe where certain superheroes will be gay or anything or something like that. So. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's interesting. Wow. I have to like, check that out sometime. Yeah. Actually, um one of the one of the artists for I believe last year's um DC Pride edition, they were at Comic Con. We actually walked past their booth. Oh yeah, they were like doing like a little lunch break or something. We That's didn't get right. we didn't get a chance to go see them because we we're so there's an overwhelming amount of things there. <laughs> William Marston was there. Just kidding. He was not. He was not. he's he's dead. <laughs> okay, so Weird going joke. going back to William Marston. So his mother was a school teacher. His father was a wool merchant. That's another like weird thing to think about that you had merchants like for wool, like a wool merchant. <laughs> um, <laughs> he met his future wife, uh, Sadie Holloway, in the eighth grade. Oh. He wow. was born into what is known as the Molten Castle. A castle. Yes. So he came from money. He did come from money. That's, hmm. I mean, that's something to note. Like someone, from what we know about him so far, it sounds like he was a big supporter of women's rights. And then in, but he also has, he's come from wealth and not a lot of I think people. there's a little bit difference than 
growing up in wealth and I was born in a fucking castle. Yeah. Like there's a little, there's a step. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That, I guess that's true. There's like, you're like, yeah, I was born into wealth and you live in like a big house. <laughs> and then someone comes by and they're like, I was born in a fucking castle. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a castle. But also, it was back then. So maybe when you're wealthy, that's what you owned was a castle. Like that's that's mansion status right there, right? Jenny, it's a castle. <laughs> I mean, if you look at some mansions today, they look like castles. I know we're getting off subject, but I'm kind of passionate about this. So let's just say instead of having a silver spoon. In his mouth, he had the entire silver spoon set. Ah, uh, so that makes sense. He was well off, but didn't seem like it got to his head from what we've been talking about so far. And something that's like kind of key to note here is because he did fight for women's rights. Is there a parallel between fighting for equality and education? Right. So he had access to education and he did become very educated is there a parallel between those of us that are very well educated and believing in equality? That's that's actually a really good point. Are you suggesting that only dumb people want people to stay segregated? In, yeah. I'm not saying that. <laughs> so I have thought about this before and because I don't understand how so back then uh, people were fighting for women's rights and that's like we talked about William Marston's very big supporter of women's rights big trying to make big moves with Wonder Woman in that um, sense and it's just crazy that like like people that are highly intelligent have a lot of school background or just very well studied always are in support of humans having equal rights to other humans which i don't understand why people who are fighting against humans having equal rights as other humans want to like oppose that mm-hmm. it's like it's not like we're like hey my dog uh he wears sweaters now so i kind of would like him to be able to vote like, hey, uh, let's let them have equal rights to humans. It's like, no, we're asking for you to treat other humans like you want to be treated. And and it like even back then, like William Marston, like women's rights. It's we've been fighting, constantly fighting. It's and just it crazy. changes. It just changes from the demographic. It's always changing the demographic. Like, oh, let's go. Someone's like, let's target this these people now. Oh, we lost that last fight. Let's target these people now. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's always a battle for someone, you know? It's just crazy how many people show up to fight against that fight, like, with their torches and pitchforks. Like, yeah. why are there so many people against equality? I don't understand. And again, is it a is it an education issue? I know for, for me personally, growing up very poor, being around when I was a child, being around the group that I was around, they were very uneducated. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like that was where the majority of the conspiracy theories were coming about. 
Oh, yeah. I also feel like it's also where the majority of the arguments of everything being kind of like faith or sorry, faith based came from. Right. So I was raised very strictly that gay people were living in a life of sin and they were going to burn in hell. It wasn't really open for a debate. Like that was a fact. And you don't hear a lot about like other religions or anything, but when you go to college and you have to take these other classes and you have to kind of develop a critical thinking mindset and you're taking classes on other religions and you're kind of like opening your world up to other ideas, you start thinking on your own and you start looking and you start like forming your own opinions. Yeah. So for me, I stopped kind of like listening to my church and also those crazy conspiracies. And I started forming my own ideas and kind of my own thought process. You broke away from the herd of sheep to become your own. You're not following that shepherd anymore. You're doing your own thing. You're like, you know what? I'm a sheep. And uh, I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm going to go eat some grass over there. And that's, You guys can follow that, dude. And that's why religious people like to ban, you know, access to that type of education. Because they know as soon as someone becomes educated on these subjects, they're like, nah, I'm out. We're not saying religion is bad or anything. But some people feel like it's a waste of time when you could be doing other things like working instead of going to church. Or spending time with your family. Or doing more productive things with the one life that you have. Mm -hmm. And I think this, this dates way back in history. For instance, uh, I believe King Henry VIII made it illegal to publish the Bible in any language other than Latin. And it was mainly because he wanted to, I don't know if he like sat down and thought about it like this, but mainly wanted it to be something where only the church could read it. And you had to go to church and you had to listen to somebody explain the Bible to you, right? So maintaining control, maintaining power was making sure that the mass majority of people did not have access to education. And that's that's how I view it. That's my own personal kind of belief. Yeah. It just goes full circle back to education, the lack of it, the fact that people are fine without having it. And yeah, and the fact that it is it is locked behind a money door. Yeah, like I feel like it should be accessible to anyone because that's seems like it's important. You know, you have a lot more pawns if you don't train them to become bishops or rooks or Wait, knights. Is that is that your own saying? Where'd you? That's is that a, a saying from somewhere? That's a chess mentality. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that's, I said that right now. Ooh, I like that. That was good. Okay. I mean, I know it's just a, a chess thing, but still, it was a good, it was a good, yeah, I'll quote you on that. Can you say it one more time for me? Oh, oh you're going to make me do that? No, I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> we'll turn it into a t-shirt. Okay. <laughs> well, there we go. Ro- it'll just say pawns, rooks, and knights, and that's it. And then just a natural song. <laughs> yeah. 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 Quote me. Okay, so going back to William Marston. (laughs) (laughs) So in high school, he was six feet tall, weighing 184 pounds. He was a class president. He was a class historian. 
Uh, he was president of the Literary Club. He was editor-in-chief of the school newspaper. He was a football player. His senior year, he they actually won the state championship. And in, in school, he became an activist for women's rights. He presided over a de- oh. debate in women's suffrage. Holy shit. He was fighting for women's rights in high school? I think that's where the idea first started. Right, with this kind of debate. I, I'm really into, like, debate stuff. Like, I was really <laughs> into that in, in high school. And, like, hearing that, that's that's amazing. Like, he was young and still motivated to fight for other people's rights. That is not... He's not a woman. He's not a girl. He's not not female. He's th- fighting for female rights. Jenny does like to argue. I, I do. I do. I'm very passionate about that. She knows. She's not always good at it, Nikki, but she Nikki does knows. like the yeah. Nikki knows. She knows something. So a, f- a few points here. One, I do believe in any movement. You do need allies that are not specifically in your movement to help move that along. For instance, prime example, right? <laughs> um, for instance, you know. For LGBT, it helps to have allies that are not in your community. Like oh, yeah, definitely. Business, business leaders, things like that, that can help you, for instance, maybe financially or get the word out. Or just the fact that other people that aren't part of the community can see that, oh, wow, they're friends with, you know, trans people or people with the BDSM community, and they have a normal friendship. Yeah. What the heck? What? They're normal people in the world. What? Right. And I, I think I think that helps. And then also another point I want to point out is when I read about William Marston in the beginning, he was kind of painted as this like he was a go-getter. Anything he set his mind to, he was going to achieve. He was if he was on the football team, he was, you know, they were gonna win state championship. If he was going to like run for student government, he was going to be the president. If he was going to go going to go to college, he was going to go to Harvard. He was going to get multiple degrees. Like this was a guy that, whatever he set his mind to, he went out and he did it. Hmm. That's uh, that's how I took it reading about him. Yeah, people just like I think they misjudged what he was writing those comics about because he was doing it for women's rights and, and and pushing the woman's rights agenda massively with that comic book because back then the only way he saw to put it out there to the mass is is to put it in a comic book like there's like the newspaper and comic book and maybe radio i'm not exactly sure when you know radio broadcasts were an actual thing for like the public but like there was not many options and this one would go to even younger audiences, which is what he wanted because he wanted younger people to understand that girls that are growing up into women are equal to men, boys and men. So we'll get into this a little bit later, but I think I think William Marston had a few different agendas. He wanted women's rights, obviously. Mm. He wanted... To show people it was okay for them to express who they were in a like a kink way also. Um, oh. 
But like the big the big thing here is because when he first pitched Wonder Woman to DC or Detective Comics back in the in the uh, Detective Comics back in the day, they said no, and they said that every female superhero comic book failed. And his big thing, and what a lot of people hated about Wonder Woman and kind of um, fought against it was Wonder Woman being so sexualized. But his big pitch was that you have to make a female superhero that people want to be. He said the issue with female superheroes back then was that not even girls, little girls, wanted to be them. Because this was back in the day of, you know, you were expected to grow up, bear children, take care of the household. And you even saw like a lot of female superheroes be very submissive. Mm. And he was like, you know, no one wants to be that way. You know, you want a, a dominant uh, figure, right? You like want a hero type. You want someone that is dominant. You don't want them essentially very bulky and manly. You want them sexy. You want them to be a role model in every single way. So he, he pitched a female superhero that was sexy, that was dominant, that kicked ass. Yeah, because, like, I mean, growing up as a trans woman, like, looking up at looking up to, like, female superheroes and stuff, I was like, damn, I want to be her and wear her outfit and be as hot as her and, like, freaking save lives and be heroic. I didn't want to be like a big bulky like Superman, but be a woman like that was not like you want to be as attractive as them and be as and ad- adapt their personality, especially when you're younger. You're like, I want to be them like, you know, and so and it's also key to note here that, you know, Wonder Woman is from the Amazon. But she's not some bulky man, like giant buff woman. Like she's a slender, very attractive woman. She just looks like some girl that's been hitting the gym. Like, mm. athletic, yeah. athletic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but not like a manly type. Like when you look at like Batman and Superman, right? Like, oh yeah, they're pure yeah. peak masculinity. Yeah. What? That's interesting because like I know we're getting <laughs> off subject a little bit here, but Spider Man. He's not like peak masculinity, but I, that's also going to like what the, what the comic is trying to relate to. Yes, target audience, and I think that's what was misunderstood whenever William Marston was bringing the female superhero, of the idea of Wonder Woman to uh, DC Comics at first was that like we want to um, have a hero that is idolized by by girls and women, you know, and that's not typical of comic book heroes at the time because it was very much catered towards boys and men because that's the kind of heroes that were like like big muscular men or you know like <laughs> freaking spider-man or something you know i just want to see all of these failed female <coughs> superheroes i'm curious like made woman Secretary lady. <laughs> I I hate to say this. Don't tell me they exist. But, well, I mean, they still do. However, uh, the point I was getting at was we actually see 
we see Wonder Woman turn into that after William passes away. Really? There's a there's a there's a period in time where Wonder Woman becomes a more secretary position of the Justice League. Oh yeah. That's very sad. Yeah, but she now like I don't know how recent it was, but whenever they started redoing the Wonder Woman series, they they're now like the movie. They're they're more into like uh, representing it as how William Marston, right? Yeah. So obviously she's a she's a kick ass badass today. Um, the movement to try to revive her image, I believe, started in the seventies. Oh, okay. But there is a period of time where I assume it started with the comics, of course. Yeah. But there is there is a period of time where you see Wonder Woman holding down the headquarters of the Justice League while Batman and Superman went off to fight and she tidied up. Oh, nice. nice. Maid woman. Maid woman. <laughs> and but she still had her sexy outfit on though, right? She lost a little bit of her sexy outfit. There's there's we'll get into it. Oh, so they like made her more conservative after he passed away too. That's like degrading. Yes. Uh, there, there's a whole, there's a whole list of things that happened. Uh, there was actually a lawsuit between um, DC comics and America. Mm. And America, <laughs> all of America. Wow. Um, Interesting. That, that they lost and they had to kind of go back and change a few things. And, and we'll, we'll take a deeper dive into that. Oh yeah. This, this is all stuff to come. Yeah. So. Way Marston is going to be uh, a little bit of an ongoing series for a couple of episodes. Yes. Sprinkled in with the other episodes out there. Correct. So where are we at in the timeline? So I want to talk about um, women's suffrage. Okay. Right? When I say that, when I read that for the first time, I didn't. I've never heard of that term. I was just curious. Like, do you guys know what women's suffrage is? What do you think? So, basically, is it just like the highlights of our inequality? So over time, yeah. So basically, uh, women's suffrage was a movement to try to get women the right to vote. The American suffrage movement became uh, began in 1848 with the first women's right convention, which is actually told in Wonder Woman comics. And in 1903, a British woman named Emmeline Prankhurst. I am so butchered. sorry. I am. Butchered. Oh. <laughs> She's still around? No. Okay. She's Back. not going to be upset about it then. So she found... She founded the Women's Social and Political Union, whose motto was Deeds Not Words, which I just, I love because I I sit on a few different kind of committees and boards, and I was in student government in college, and I get so frustrated because I feel like we just sit around and talk so much. And I'm like, I'm always the guy that's like, okay, like, let's, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, let's stop talking about it. Let's go do stuff. And that was her, very much her motto. Um, in 1999, she was named one of the 100 most important people of the 20th century for her work. And what's interesting here is that William Marston is born right at, at the time of women's rights. So, What's very interesting is that he was 
in the right area and born at the right time to be so involved. For instance, we'll get into this, but the deb- the debates that he sees uh, in movies are just becoming a thing. So for him to jump into Universal for script writing, he was like right there at the right time. He He was at Harvard right at the right time. He met the right people. Everything he was just essentially born at the right time to create Wonder Woman to create this hero that they desperately needed at the time. Yeah, and even to this day, like people, girls, women, boys, everyone sees Wonder Woman as like this iconic superhero. Look up to Wonder Woman, and I would be curious of like how many. How many female superheroes do we have today that are kind of inspired by Wonder Woman? For instance, um, <coughs> when you watch Star Wars, right? Like Princess Leia, she's she's not your victim. Even when she's being saved from the Empire or whatever, like she's she's actually like with she's her not blaster. <laughs> she's yeah. shooting people and she's like this way and Luke Skywalker and... Um, Han Solo are just like, who is this person that we're trying to save? Even when she's chained up to Jabba? Come on. I feel <laughs> like that was a little bit of just wanting to add some sexuality to the movie. And a little I th- bit of kink to it. Yeah. Even though she was chained up to Jab- Jabba. Yeah. Jabba. Jabba. Yeah, sorry. Jabba. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> But I'm just curious of like how Sorry, many Star Wars fans. <laughs> I just I'm just kind of curious of how many like superheroes or kind of badass female figures we have today because of like Wonder Woman back in the day. <gasps> yeah. Queen Maeve. Which would be basically because of woman suffrage. Yeah. Which is nuts because like the ones that are coming out today that are based on Wonder Woman, like it's it's all back to that fight for women's rights. And it's a wonderful thing. It really is. And it, this is like, this is still a fight that's ongoing, right? I know. Like with yeah. uh, Roe versus Wade being overturned just a couple of years ago, uh, the fight for women's rights is never kind of going away. Like you'll still see statistics where men are still earning more than women. You'll still see statistics where like, for instance, in like engineering or like coding kind of jobs like that. Those are male dominated areas. Um, You'll still hear stuff. For instance, there was a professor I had who got in a lot of trouble because this was for my um, electronics degree, my AS in electronics. He got in a lot of trouble because he flat out to a female student said that, oh, it's good to have you. You have much smaller hands than the men do. But other than that, I don't know how you're going to do in the workforce. Yeah, and what's crazy is he's probably like, this is actually like, I'm I'm giving her a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. And then actually even in another kind of situation actually just popped in my head for my actual engineering degree, um, there was a professor who he did not think women had the mental capacity to keep up with men. That's crazy. So, 
it still happens today. It's not, it has not gone away. There is still very much a lot of work oh, that the women's rights movement has to do. But look at, I hate to bring it up, but look at the fight that we have to have to let women have abortions. Yeah. It's fucking nuts. It's, it, well, I don't want to get much into it because it, it gets me really upset. We're going to get into it because that actually, that actually came up in the research. And this is, oh, really? Yeah. This is what blows my mind is like the parallels between today and then. And it's, yeah. It's just upsetting. Like, it's their body. Let them do what they want. Oh, yeah. Like, for real, right? right. Sure. It's our body. Let us do what we want. This applies to everyone. We have one life. Yeah. You should be allowed to do to your body what you want. Yeah. So now I want to introduce Wonder Woman herself. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant... Sarah Elizabeth Holloway, as she was known, or she actually went by Sadie. Uh, she was mm-hmm. born February 20th, 1893, on the Isle of Man between Britain and Ireland, which interesting sounds very interesting. Um, <laughs> the she, Isle of Man. The Isle of Man. That sounds majestic. Yeah, I as soon as I read it, I was like, I kind of really want to go. <laughs> it's just a bunch go. of it's just a bunch of shirtless guys that are like really muscular. Okay, that's not what I was. It's picturing. an island that that's looks not like what I was picturing. It's an island that looks like a man cave, or that. It just sounds. It sounds majestic. Um, <laughs> anyways, she was raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Her father was a bank clerk. And she was a tomboy. And there is a very interesting story. I want to kind of like paint the picture of how she was growing up. So there was a story in her own words. um, Two kids jumped her brother after school one day. And in her own words, she said, quote, I jumped on their backs and banged their heads into the pavement. Damn. So (laughs) she... She defended her brother and fought off um, these two kids. That Basically Wonder Woman. Yeah. At a young age. And and we, we do, it is heavily theorized that Wonder Woman is based off of Sadie Holloway. That would make sense. Heavily theorized. Makes sense. So something that's very important about like the women's rights issue, no surprise has to do with birth control. Um, so. <laughs> of course. About that family. You said this has to do with birth control? Oh, yeah. Birth control. Still. Still. Wow. Yeah. Still a hot topic. For like a full century. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So only... It sucks. It is, it is important to note, during this time frame, it was illegal to educate or hand out Items such as condoms. Or anything that educated on safe yes. sex. Correct. What? Yes. Against so the law. Yes. That's nuts. And actually, I mean, what? I keep saying it, but we'll we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, maybe possibly the next episode. Um, but yeah, it was, you could go to jail and we actually, 
we're actually going to bring up somebody that went to jail for trying to educate people about condoms. Was so what what was the stance on abortion back then when uh birth control and safe sex was like frowned upon? So let me let me tell you about abortions. So that family, that family where the kids jumped her brother, they were from a poor Irish family. And a little bit later after that incident, their mother would die when she accidentally pushed a wire through her cervix trying to self-abort a child that she could not afford. Wow. So that was your abortion. So they had the right to do it, but you, it's still locked behind. Finances. Oh, no, they, they did not have the right to do it. But people try to take it into their own hands or you would much have like a, I don't know, like a shady alleyway doctor that would try to do essentially the, the same thing. Yeah. So Someone that has probably experience does it on the side, like kind of thing. Yeah. That's nuts. So, like, abortion was frowned upon, but you still couldn't have safe sex. So you had to have a baby. It was like, you, if you're a woman and you have eggs, you're having babies, no matter what. And you couldn't check on the reviews from these alleyway doctors. Yeah, there was no, like, Angie's List or Yelp <laughs> or anything like that. You just had but, to hope and pray. But I think, like, the, the big thing here is this comes mainly from a faith-based kind of thing where sex should not be something that's pleasurable. It should only be for reproduction. Which is, I feel like that's very primitive thinking. It is. And actually, so something that we're kind of talking about is doing a kind of a book club. And there's a wonderful book that kind of goes through the history of um, coming from a sex-positive culture to a like you know sex is a sin culture to like where we are today um it's it's really amazing so maybe we'll kind of kick that off here soon but anyways so yeah it was actually in 1873 the com comstock act that just sounds way too way too close to like Come, come stock. <laughs> Comstock. I mean, honestly, what you're saying, I was like, I don't come. You said what? I. You had me at Comstock. I'm a, I'm an engineer, guys. <laughs> okay, so in 1873, the Comstock Act actually passed, making it illegal to mail contraception items or materials to educate people on contraception meaning it was illegal to mail information about birth control or mail condoms or birth control etc so of any kind of any kind hmm. that was in 1873 which is very interesting to me because i feel like the country was very behind on education of safe sex and then obviously we see the AIDS pandemic hit. Yeah. And I kind of wonder if we started off from a society of like a very like, you know, safe sex, really kind of pushing that, what would have happened with the AIDS pandemic? I just don't understand why 
people are so against learning safe sex to be like why are we so focused on procreating again i think that's religion no so one key component in this entire series that you're going to kind of see come about is the catholic church Mm. and i i hate to say the catholic church is like the villain of this story but we'll see it much later the Catholic Church goes to war against comic books. So <laughs> that's such a ridiculous like thought. Like, but I mean, they were like actively trying to shut down comics completely. Yeah, because of the freedom that people had to express ideas that weren't accepted by. Well, I guess I should clarify. Maybe it's not to shut down comics completely. You know, but, but it the, was like to limit what you could do with a comic. Yeah. Like, which is still limiting free speech in some way. Like, um, Charlie Brown, probably fine. A wonderful graphic novel series called Sunstone, not okay. I have no idea what that is, but Sunstone? We will, we will have to talk Except about that. Except from Pokemon, right? No. Uh, I know my evolutionary stones. I I know there's some of you out there that are like, I know exactly what Jay is talking about. And yes, um, we'll cover (laughs) it in a different, it is a graphic novel that you can buy on Amazon. That is a BDSM based. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. uh, So I do want to wrap up real quick. uh, An interesting little segment about William's childhood. And then, Next time, we'll probably start off with um, their time in college. So, okay. so William's childhood, he was not shielded from any gruesome reality of the world around him either. Uh, his neighbor actually killed himself by slitting his own throat. And then this is something that evidently really stuck with William. He believed that if he wasn't going to do anything noteworthy in his life, that he would simply kill himself. Wow. Um, When he was a freshman, actually, at Harvard studying law, he decided he was going to kill himself after not doing so well in school. At the age of 18, in 1911, William attained acid to commit suicide. Now, what's interesting about this is that we know that William liked the book Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And spoiler alert, Dr. Hyde kills himself in the same way in the book. And also throwing in a fun fact here, in the 1942 February issue of Sensation Comics, which is featured Wonder Woman before she had her own comic, Wonder Woman's first villain is actually called Dr. Poison. Oh, wow. And this is something that we see. Like, William, he takes inspiration from his personal life and puts it into his comics. Like... So you're going to see villains come about that were very anti-women's rights. He'll write them into the comic. Um, he writes his children into the comic. So he he pulls on things that he personally knows about or has seen. Things that are happening in his real life. Yeah. So. You said acid? Yes. So maybe not try to confuse the audience with acid yes so a poison acid 
um, not a like you know dropping acid and having fun, but a a, a poisonous acid. Okay. Wow. So, sounds like it was a impactful time in his life, and that what the Jekyll and Hyde book he was reading, yes, was very impactful in his life. It seems because like it stood with him until adulthood. Yes. So this is something that's like very interesting to me when I'm when I read about William Marston because. The research that I'm reading about, obviously, a lot of it's coming from, like, his personal journals, uh, things like that. William Marston, you learn, has a... Duality? Kind of like a, a flashy philosophy side to him. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? Uh, essentially that he might be, like, kind of overplaying certain aspects when he when he's like recalling his life Mm. so he might be dramatizing it i Mm -hmm. think is what i'm trying to say he adds a little bit of flair to his storytelling he's exaggerating i mean he wrote comics that's that's understandable speculation says that he might be exaggerating yeah he might be exaggerating that's that's something to note is that none of these people are alive so we are we are dependent on their writings so Any one of us, if we have a journal or whatever, we can go back and write something from our point of view, which would be not factual. Yes. So it's it's important to remember that when we're kind of talking about William Marston. Yeah. We're getting we're getting like maybe like a one sided view of things or maybe a distorted distorted view. So that makes sense. Anyways, um, yeah, so next time we'll pick up in, uh, with William going to college, and we'll kind of see where he goes from there. I'm excited to hear more. Yeah. Yeah, same here. William Marston's a juicy subject. Yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting subject. It's not as juicy as I thought it was going to be from a kink point of view, but it's still very – I learned so much about, like, the, the women's rights movement from this research than I ever have. So I think it's still very much worth telling. Yeah, women's rights deals with all of us because women are a part of each and every one of our lives. So, yeah, very important subject. And also, he was part of the BDSM community and polyamorous. So he's got some things to relate to us. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of relatable content for me, for sure. I'm excited to dive more into it. Thank you for joining us. It's been Unnatural Sum covering William Marston. Stay tuned for part two when we cover more about his college and adult life. This has been Jenny Banks, and I'm signing off. Stay kinky. Until next time. 